0: Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. A look at the changing risk and resilience landscape with insights on the challenges facing businesses today and tomorrow.
1: Hi, this is Renee Koa from Zurich North America. I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode, which three of my Zurich colleagues recorded at the AGC's 2021 Construction Safety and Health Virtual Conference in July. James Boileau, Construction Segment Director, John Tate, Vice President of Construction Risk Engineering, and Andrea Edwards, Principal Risk Engineer, discussed the major post-pandemic challenges facing the construction industry today. Here's an expanded version of their conversation.
0: Welcome to the 2021 AGC Safety and Health Convention. I'm James Boilo, Construction Segment Director with Zurich North America and the Risk Engineering Group. Here with me also from Zurich's Risk Engineering team are John Tate, Vice President of our Construction Risk Engineering, and Andrea Edwards, Principal Risk Engineer. Thank you both for joining me. Well, thank you, James. Glad to be here.
1: Thank you for having me, James.
0: We're pleased to be part of this year's AGC conference to explore issues important to the construction industry and the people who work in it. Like all aspects of the US economy, the construction industry was impacted by the pandemic, from project delays and supply chain distributions to skyrocketing material prices and workforce shortages. Of course, the pandemic just intensified things in the industry, and now we're here to focus on worker health, safety, and well-being. John, how would you characterize the current challenges facing the industry from your perspective as a risk engineer?
2: Well, James, I, I think it's tough to use 2020 and good in the same sentence. But if you, if you look at, at construction, it, it actually wound up being a, a good year and credit to industry leaders for being proactive right up front and, and getting construction classified as an essential business. And then also credit contractors for, for their collaboration around best practices and, and sharing knowledge and, and just making it a, a successful year in, in light of challenges we've we've never seen before. So certainly there were some stumbles, some early delays, but again, I would I would classify 2020 as a as a positive year for construction, you know, particularly when you look at the the construction economy. And as we move into 2021, you know, we're seeing uh, you know some robust robust growth. And I think you can look down the road to 2025 and say it will continue at least that long. The Dodge Momentum Index jumped 9.1 percent in May, which would forecast you know, design work being done by the engineers that should should manifest itself as work in place beginning in 12 months. Architectural Billings Index was at 57.1, which is the highest it's been since 2007, and anything over 50 indicates that the architects have more design work on their desk than they did the prior month. So that would suggest that you know we're going to have more growth again in nine to twelve months. So anyways, to sum all that to say uh, the future looks bright for construction for
0: the for the coming years. Yeah. Well and John, you were part of a research group as well looking at workforce shortages before the pandemic. What what would you say are some of the most significant and immediate challenges facing the contractors today?
2: well i mean you hit the nail on the head james and and i think there there are a number of challenges but to me none more glaring than than the workforce shortage and it's a it's been kind of lingering over construction for for decades now uh, and and it's and it's really um coming to a peak and you know we talk a lot about this and you know you mentioned the the study i was involved in and we looked at hundreds of projects and and you know, said, yeah, we've got this issue, but is it having an impact on projects? And what we found was, if you compared projects that were experiencing a moderate to severe workforce shortage to those that experienced no impact from from a workforce shor- shortage, those that had a challenge experienced 24% cost overruns, scheduled delays of 15 and percent, and three times more safety incidents. So, and and we suspect that there were also quality issues associated with it. We weren't able to find any meaningful data just because quality is not consistently tracked from contractor to contractor in the industry. But nevertheless, definitely some project impacts. And so that's why it's it's at the top of my list. And if you if you look at most surveys among the industry, they all point to the workforce shortage. You know, just to kind of point out how severe it is, you know, 1 million workers are forecast to retire by 2023. 29% of the workforce by 2026 will be retired and 41% by 2031. Uh, as of April, there were over 350,000 jobs that were unfilled and the average age of, of the construction workforce. In 2007, it was 36. 2014, it jumped to 40.8, and today it's 42.5. So that tells me that we're really not getting replacement coming into the industry. And in fact, if you look at the distribution by age, you'll see that we're somewhere around, we've got a double peak right now, somewhere around the 57 mark, and then also around the 28 mark. Well, that might be fine if that twenty eight year old group was coming in at at eighteen, then you might say, "Okay, well they're fully trained and they're up to speed. That's not the case. we're 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 almost getting workers entering as a second choice, right? They've tried something else. Maybe they went to school for a little bit. Now they're going to try construction. So they're not fully trained by the time we get them into the industry. At, at that twenty eight year old age, and you think maybe it takes about four years to get some basic craft training and then probably another four years in the journey level, about eight years before we've got a you know seasoned craft professional. And you know, and then there's there's also some safety concerns around that, right? If you've got this this young group, you know studies show that, um, those on the job less than two years in construction are twice as likely to be injured as, as all other ages. And, you know, so what do we do about that, right? We spend some additional time on orientation and training, acclimation, maybe raising some awareness of, of other workers on the job about these new workers, and you know, certainly invest more time in, in quality management, pre-tests, pretest planning, all those things. And there's, there's there's a large number of underrepresented groups that we need to attract to construction too, because, uh, you know, this is such a, a, a mounting number of people we need to attract to the industry. We've got to cast a much broader net than we have in the past.
0: So just recently, we're in the news is about the infrastructure bill that's being passed and at the federal level, what might be the impacts on industry that's already heavily booked and, and facing growing worker shortages. What do you think yeah. is going to happen with that?
2: You can you can probably guess what I'm going to say, James, is the is the challenge and that's that's the workforce shortage. You know, I, I think you know materials will will normalize, that'll work itself out. You know, there may be some some inflation that the industry has to absorb in, in some of these projects, but the workforce issue we've really got to get our get our arms around. And one thing we've got going for us is so if the the bills agreed to tomorrow, you're probably looking at 2023 before things start to peak. And you know, I would I would guess probably 23 to 25 is when you see that real peak in in infrastructure spending. I didn't want to neglect mentioning the more tenured workers out there in the industry, right? So that also comes with it, its own set of challenges in, in terms of you know strains and sprains. And so potentially investing more time in stretch and flex breaks, maybe some job rotation, different things like that, certainly more focus on ergonomics than in the past.
0: Oh, wow, John, that was a perfect segue into my next topic. And I want to introduce Andrea part of our risk engineering uh, team, and her one of her roles is promoting employee wellness programs. Andrea, looking at construction, how would you characterize the challenges of today?
1: It's well known that there's definitely uh, risks that workers face when they're on the job. As John did touch on, there's working with heavy machinery, there's working at height, there's risks of strains and sprains, there's lifting, there's different motions that for more tenured workers that are closer to retirement, if they're not doing the proper stretch and flex, well, for anybody, but it becomes more important to make sure you're following up with those stretch and flex type programs, keeping your muscles limber, even if you're using them, the stretching decreases as we age. But you also have the younger employees who aren't used to, maybe they've, they're have they fit, and but they're not used to the uh, on-the-job type exercises and muscle uses and they need to be aware that it's still important to make sure you train adequately for the or prepare your body adequately and keep in shape so it's important to keep their bodies fit and agile for the work that they do that's already very strenuous and then there's also as john also had touched on the worker shortage so then that puts more strain on the people who actually are in the workforce so they're working longer hours They're working possibly, they're trying to fit in some overtime because there is, there's some financial issues that a lot of us face. So they want to try to work as much as they can to keep up with the job and to keep up with the, with their own needs at home. They may be working more days in a row than is typically recommended. So, and that puts an additional stress and lack of sleep. Maybe they have to be driving long distances to get to their job site. So that could turn a eight to 10 hour day into 12 to 14 hours. And then they're just turning around and doing the same thing over and over again.
0: It seems like that that within construction, it's even, it's even hitting harder. And, and, and we're seeing high, it's the second highest industry for suicide rates. What, what are some of those factors beside that, that you could add to, to help us understand that?
1: So the CDC actually did a study and they found that construction related occupations are the highest suicide rate amongst all occupational groups. It's shown that male dominated industries do have higher suicide rates. And while they're try- there are efforts to try to change that, but it's a slow moving process that have a hard enough time getting any workers, let alone diversifying. So, and then most people, there's typically a stereotype, as you touched on, if you imagine a construction worker, people often have a similar picture, but I mean, that in a way is there for a reason. You have these big, strong guys who also are sort of inherently maybe the more strong, stoic type, and talking about their feelings or things that they're struggling with is not typically part of their inherent nature.
0: So what? What are some other things employers can do to engage with workers on these issues to make a difference?
1: Well, I think, as you mentioned, like making sure that the employees are aware of their either having making sure that the employers have an EAP that their people can reach out to and then notifying their employees that these services are available if there is. Uh, a suicide that occurs, maybe providing the emotional support for the other workers. I mean, you want to make sure that people know that you're there for them. Somebody's listening and somebody cares about
0: them. So creating safe environments where they can, they can come for help. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Andrea, uh, for your thoughts on this critical issue. John, thank you for also joining me. I uh, hope everyone enjoys the AGC conference. Uh, th- and I'd like to thank all the members for listening to us. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week.